welcome. Okay, so um, we are on. Yeah, uh, Gimel Lamed Beis. We'll go back to the mission at the bottom. Three B, three B, and um, we're talking about shkalim, the mitzvah to give the half shekel uh, that comes uh, really right before Pesach. But it's a much deeper idea than, than just giving. It's an idea that we have a share in the service, that uh, we're involved in uh, the, uh, the um, uh, working for the, the Hashem and bringing His presence down in this world, and that we, the work that we each one of us do is all equal in front of Hashem's eyes, that we all, you can't give more, they don't accept, and uh, everybody's required to participate. And also the idea that we're part of the Jewish people. So all of those ideas are very important to the shekel. But now we're getting into the practical part. So uh, they've got to collect the shekel. Whose, whose door do they knock at? So some people will come and give on their own, and some people need a reminder, like everything. So uh, even though if there's a woman who, uh, alone, let's say a widow or something, or a servant or minors, they don't, uh, we don't knock on their door for shekelem. But if they want to give, if that's they want to, we're allowed to accept it. On the other hand, if a non-Jew or a kusi wants to give, nope, sorry. Wasn't this the boss? It was a kupa. They didn't go door to door. We had to come to the base on mixus, right? But mamashkin means that they put some pressure. <laughs> Right, that's what I'm saying. In other words, in other words, there could have been the Gavai that went there and said, did yeah, you give your shekel? They yeah. realized that like, this family is missing, yeah. nobody came. Got it. Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering how that worked. I don't know whether they had records or computers yeah. or how they, uh, you know, how they knew, you know, uh, at this location the following people lived. Did they get, like, how, how would they know? This is a woman, this is a servant. It's a... Uh, good morning, Dr. Yaffe. We're four lines from the bottom on 3B, talking about if non-Jews are allowed to give the shekel, and we said no. Ain't makabamahem. Next, uh, now, the, the concept, though, is the Beisah Migdosh is called the place of prayer for all peoples. Right. And non-Jews were welcome and, and uh, participated in uh, bringing offerings. So what are the kind of offerings they can bring? So there's two sets of offerings. There's the ones that we Jews bring as part of our mitzvahs uh, that we have to bring. If, let's say a person becomes impure. We know most of the impurities were spiritual punishments. Uh, for leprosy or arrogance or whatever it may be. And so they bring an offering, they're atoning for that, uh, uh, that uh, sin that they had. Or the, so those are kine zavim, kine zavim, kine yoldos. Uh, when a woman gives birth, there's a whole discussion, why should she have to bring? So first of all, she's only bringing a bird. It's not that expensive. But uh, some people say it's because when she goes through the pain of giving birth, she says, I'm never doing this again. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> and then after a while, they think, well, the baby's kind of cute. Maybe they will do this again. So there's an idea that that's... that's a, uh, then the, the overall idea that uh, uh, there's the idea of Thanksgiving that goes in it as well. But all of these offerings are, are part of a Jew's mitzvahs. So a Jew can give these offerings, but a non-Jew can't. These word keen means pears. If it's something that's just a donation. So non-Jew wants to give a donation, we can accept that. They can bring a korban, a donation. Something that you can't volunteer or donate. We don't accept from a non-Jew because they're not obligated in these things. 
came before Shardai Ezra, and this, it was said very clearly uh, through Ezra. Ezra was a very perceptive, uh, great leader, and he saw that the Samaritans looked like they were trying to help uh, with the uh, construction and the building of the Beis Hamikdash, and instead, what they were really doing was trying to stop it. They really resented that uh, they thought they were the the Jews, and then all of a sudden we came and said, "Who are you? What are you doing in our land?" And uh, so uh, they said, "Oh, we'll help you build the house." They were really sabotaging it all through. So uh, Ezra made it very clear. He said, "Lo lechem v'lanu libnos beizelokeinu." It's not your job. Uh, we don't need your help. Yeah, we did offer a circus. We offered kavanas for them. What, what was that? What not for the Samaritans, for the whole non-Jewish no, world. Non-Jewish world. Yeah. So I'm yeah. saying, so what if a non-Jew wanted to? Donate towards that. Could that have worked since we're doing it for them? That's an interesting question. I don't know. I have right. to think about that. Uh, but the, the rule of the Mishnah seems to be only something that's a voluntary thing that we accept the money for, but mm. something that we're, well, that we, words, we're obligated uh, to sacrifice for, for them. them. That's <laughs> our obligations. So right. That wouldn't work. That's what I would think in, in, on one foot. Right. Okay. As we turn to the top of today's page, uh, now we get to the, uh, one of the more interesting subjects the Kalbom. <laughs> It always it sounds like a um, so the Kalbon, um it's really a little bit complicated meaning there are different opinions about it we could look at it in a very simple way or what I think is simple their coins uh, they they went with the actual value of the coin in other words they uh, you know the kings came and went but if you had precious metal that was worth something uh, a silver coin was worth something so Shkolem, all coins. Sometimes they would, after they were used a long time, they would weigh a little less. So not all shekels are equal. Not every silver coin is going to be equal. And there's a rule that the, the, the base of Mikdash would never lose out. You never want them to get less because uh, of a certain person. And you also, if, if, the, if the, you're required to give the average weight shekel, and instead you give a cheap shekel, a shekel... Good morning, Richard. We're just at the top of 4A. And you give a shekel that's worn out a little bit. So even though the banks will give you credit for it, you're giving less uh, in weight. And the value of... Uh, it's so funny today because we have currencies that have no money behind them at all. You know, it's like they don't even exist. But their currency, the idea was that there has to be something behind the currency. Uh, there's the weight of the metal. So therefore, in order to make sure that you, each person was doing, giving what they need to and not having to worry that their metal was a little bit worn, so they would throw in a penny. In other words, that's called the cowbone. They would throw in, it was like a twelfth a, a of a coin. It was like a, they, they'd give the shekel plus a little extra, just to make sure. That's called the cowbone. And um, uh, our, we're, the, there's going to be a discussion whether this is uh, just like extra credit or to make sure... Or no, maybe that's a mitzvah. Whenever you deal with Hashem, you make sure that uh, uh, you're meeting your requirement and that you tilt the scale, so to speak, by adding that little kalbon in. And so that's going to come up a little bit because we're learning about shkolem, and that has to do with the kalbon. Okay, let's see the Gemara, the, the Mishnah. The following people give kalbons. Again, when they give their shekel, they add in their two cents. They add in a penny. Regular Jews. But uh, we said before, uh, some people give, and they're not really required to give, but they do it as extra credit, so to speak. So if you're giving extra credit and you're not obligated, so then you don't got to throw the penny in, because the whole reason is if you want to make sure you're doing what you're required. Um, and again, we, uh, Pesach, this comes up, where we, we try to eat like a large piece of matzah, 
Why? Because just in case that's what the Torah wanted, we want to make sure that we're doing it. You know, we only get a mitzvah to eat once a year. So we're going to make sure that we for sure fulfill, we're going to make sure to eat it, and we're going to make sure to eat it in the right amount of time, and we're going to make sure that it's not chametz, but we're, we want to make sure. When it comes to obligation, we want to... So if you have an obligation, you need to make sure. Now, some of the... the when we get to the Hillel sandwich, which is only rabbinic, you can be a little more chilled on that as far as the size, because that's a, a custom, a rabbinic mitzvah. Um, so just like over here, too, if somebody wants to give... So they're not required to give. They're just being extra generous. So we're not going to make them pay the added uh, kalbom. So that's the basic idea. Uh, but not kohanim or women or servants or minors. Okay. Next, what happens if If you're giving for the kohen or you're giving for the wife or for the minor, so again, those, that's a class of people that it's not clear that they have an obligation. We, the Kohanim are really a big discussion. We'll maybe get some more into that later. Why, what, we had the two opinions before, whether they should give or they don't give. But the bottom line is, even if they give, we're not going to make them pay the kalbam. V'im shok al yado, but if you, uh, you are um, taking for them, v'alidei chavera, or it's not your friends taking for you, chayi v'kalbam. Each one you give, you give your kalbam. Rameir says, if you're doing... So what happens is this. Instead of giving two half coins, uh, which you might not have changed for, the half shekel, so you'll get together with someone else and give a whole shekel. That's some, sometimes a lot easier. But the problem is, then the base of Migdash is losing out because they're not getting their kalbon. So then... Uh, the coin, yeah, I mean, well, the coin is... So uh, there you've got to give two kalbon. And it doesn't help for the census takers either. No, no, because you'll have extra, right? Yeah. What happens if you do and change? So then you got to give two kalbanas. Uh, at, at the end of the day, like I said, when you do a transaction with the base of Migdash, you always have to make sure that they're not losing. Right. The base of Migdash has to win. Yeah. Yeah. The house has to win. Yeah. It's not like that. Yeah. Something like that. Well, let's say there's a guy who's poor who can't afford it, and you say, well, I'm going to pay the shekels for these guys. Or for your neighbor, or for your uh, so then your putter. But if you're loaning them the money, so then they're giving, then they're go- then they're like everybody else, and then they give the kalbon. In other words, if you're if you're giving a donation for them, so we don't make you pay the kalbon. You're it's nice of you to give anything. Whereas if you're loaning them the money and they're giving, so the regular obligation is to give plus throw in the kalbon. Next, now there's a. Um, Sometimes a person would pass away, and his children would run the estate. And uh, if there are a few brothers, they're running the family farm. And so they didn't divide up the farm into several entities. It's really one entity. It's really one, or one group. So if they're brothers, so there's two ways. Sometimes they cut the farm in half, and each brother takes one half of the field, and the other one takes the other half. And sometimes they run it together. Depends on how they divide the estate. So if they're um, obligated, they're separate people, uh, that they are obligated to, each one has to give the kalbon, there's a different rule whether a, a corporation has to give meiser. It's very interesting because in English we have that, like, you know, the, if you're a company, you don't, you know, you don't pay taxes, or you, it's different, or so too. In the halacha, there's a difference between a company, a, uh, a, a group, and a single person. So when it's a group, 
when you're chayv and meiser behema, you don't have to pay the kalbon. But how much is this famous kalbon? It's a ma. Divrei Reb Meir, the chavim said it's half a ma. And I'm, I'll bet the art scroll tells us. Does the art scroll say how much a ma is? It's a twelfth, a twelfth of the shekel. That's the thank you. The, anyone know how much a shekel? I guess it depends on the time or the place. Okay, let's see the Gemara. So Alpha Pisha So uh, we said um, we said we don't force the uh, certain people to give. Uh, so that implied when you say you don't force, it sounds like you ask, but you just don't force. In other words, there's two levels. One is that you get a bill, and the other is you get a bill, and then you also get pressure, right? So. Uh, it sounds like we say we won't force them, but it sounded like they get a bill. Again, I don't know if the base of English had a bill, but they must have had someone that asked. So, ain't uh, does that imply that you do ask? I thought before we said you don't ask. There's a little bit of confusion here about minors. Are we going to even, is it we just don't force them, but we ask them? Or do we not ask them? It's a contradiction. There's no contradiction at all. Before the bar mitzvah, we don't even ask. After the bar mitzvah, we ask, but we don't force until they're 20 years old. Okay. Next. So the assumption is, is that uh, children that young would have money of their own, or is the parent giving the money for the child? Um, the parent's giving the money for the child. The, the assumption is that every person needs to have uh, a part in the service. They need to have... Uh, so before bar mitzvah, they're not obligated. Parents may wish to give on their behalf, but we don't even we don't even ask though before bar mitzvah. After bar mitzvah, we would ask. And if the father gives for the child, does he give the kalva? Uh, we'll get to that, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, kusi. So uh, one of the things that was thrown in together is the kusi, the Samaritan. So we uh, we're talking about pagans. That's the nachri. And uh, we said we don't accept from them. Uh, that we included the kusim in that rule. It's not so simple. There are different uh, stages with the kusim. The kusim converted, uh, and they accepted Judaism. They kept Shabbos. Uh, they kept many mitzvahs. Uh, so uh, could we uh, uh, accept offerings from them or not? Rabbi Ba said, Tifatur explained, uh, there's a big debate about the Kusim, whether they were Jews or not Jews. Um, it, the Kusim kept to themselves, and uh, they, uh, they adopted a form of Judaism, but they still had some strange habits. And it wasn't clear uh, if they were complete converts or not. Maybe in the earlier generations they were. There, there was a big debate about them for uh, many years, until eventually it became clear they were not Jews. But uh, which view are we holding when we say you can't accept from the Kusi? So he's saying, obviously, they're assuming the Kusi were following the view the Samaritans were not good converts, and they are Kanachri, they're like a non-Jew. This probably because of the debate. Kusi Kanachri, Divi Rebbe, Rebbe says the Kusim is just like a non-Jew. Rishingalil said, no, Kusi is Yisrael a cold dumber. He said the Kusi is like fully Jewish. Uh, there's, believe it or not, there's a few Kusim left to, to this day. You can go see him in Israel, um, but uh, so uh, but that's the debate whether a kusi is like a goy or a kusi is like a Yisrael. Omer Lazar Masnisim Menachem. The Mishnah is only talking about non-Jews, but not about kusim. Kusim are fellow Jews. Kusim used to make matzahs. They had matzah bakeries and they had wine. 
And how do we know that uh, we include converts in the service? Maybe converts are like extra. Maybe it's only people that have land have to give to the base of English. No. They're, and also, they're, meaning they, they weren't part of the original group, so maybe they don't have to give. It says uh, Adam, uh, mankind. So that includes even converts. Michem, uh, but it says from you, not all of you. So that means we don't take for, from the good for nothings, the mumrim. If there's a Jew that's a rebel, so we won't take his shekel. So there's some that we take from and some that we don't. Mastis and Polig are rebel um, the Mishnah argues on Rebbe Lazar. He said, our Mishnah said, we don't take from the Kusim. We don't take Now, why would a non-Jew bring an offering to purify himself? They don't keep the laws of purity. They're not following the laws. And it's clear, we're talking about the Kusim. They became Jews and they followed the Jewish laws and wanted to bring the Jewish offerings. Um, and it's clear that at first we were talking about non-Jews and the second part was talking about Kusim. So it's a little confusing uh, to have to, uh, this debate. What is the debate about? Uh, were the Kusim Jews or were they not? So Rabbi Yochum explains uh, Now, um, well, he's not, uh, we're not explaining that, but as we said, the Kusim had different stages. So it was... Uh, um, but and they also were different kusim in different places. Um, the kusim at, um, were anti-Semites, meaning they really resented that the Jews were there, and they often tried to sabotage us. And so um, it was uh, the um, uh, the the Christians wanted to um, uh, make their own religion, and so they they were angry that the Jews didn't accept them, didn't accept them, didn't accept their Messiah, and so. Um, they, uh, they praised the Samaritans. They called them the Good Samaritan because they liked anybody that didn't like the Jews. <laughs> so it's like the, a Good Samaritan is really a bad Samaritan. It's, a, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's another story. But anyway. Originally, the rule was they wouldn't accept if a, if a non-Jew said, here, I want to br- pay for this offering. I want to fix this curtain or whatever. We would not accept a set thing or even to the general fund. Later on, I wonder if they needed the money more, they would accept for the general fund, something that wasn't a specific thing. But they wouldn't accept a set thing. They felt that to have a plaque on a Torah donated by, uh, uh, by Mr. Trump or whatever, it just wouldn't be a nice thing to have in the base of Migdash uh, uh, nothing against uh, President Trump or uh, whatever a non-Jew. Just to have a, you know to have a to know that it was donated by a non-Jew would be a little embarrassing. They want to give to the fund, you know, the pays for the wood and pays for the workers. Okay, that we could do. He says neither do you accept. He says accept nothing. It's interesting. To this day, there's a debate about accepting non-Jewish money for synagogues and for yeshivas and uh, whether. Um, uh, I, I would say the debate, well, there are, the vast majority do accept, but there still is a group that, that believes in not taking from... Uh, not I know that my, my Rosh Yeshiva, all of us, all of us, in, in Yeshiva Tenegi, where we saw mayor, somebody offered, you know, like, like cents, crazy amount of money. He took it, he redid the whole bathrooms, and he bought, like, like a five-year supply of toilet paper. <laughs> like, he, the bathrooms were really nice. Was, like, there was a whole thing, was a total upgrade, but he, that's what we're going to do. 
I see. He, he didn't want to use it for the... He didn't the, want to use it for the yeshiva the, itself, for the Bishmedish Atosa, for the bathrooms, he got a lot of toilet paper. I see. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. Masis and Polaga, Rabbi Yochanan, but our Mishnah argues on him because he said, Eimekam hektish, menedavil, abedek, abayis. We don't accept donations. So, Pasolano, you could explain, Beinukil, Beisof, in the beginning and in the end, uh, we don't accept something davar mesuyim, a set thing, but something that's for the fun, we do. Shuvin Levi says, no, we don't accept either. So again, there's a debate about accepting donations uh, from, now you could argue these are pagans. Um, some people make the argument throughout the Gemara that there seems to be, there, um, we had something called Gere Tosha, which were non-Jews that accept belief in Hashem. They didn't keep the Torah, but they accept the belief in Hashem. And they're on a different level than a pagan, that an idol worshiper. Uh, and so the question today is, what about today's Goyim? And not, not the Indians or whatever that believe in idols, but if you have a monotheist, uh, is that, is, are they the same? Or, or is it like somebody keeps seven mitzvahs with Enoch? Right, that, that's correct, yeah. Could you consider them? And, and there are righteous Gentiles. That's, that's, so there is that, that debate about accepting the donations. Uh, is, are they in a different category or not? Okay. But we're talking about the base of Migdash here, not for a synagogue. We're talking about the real, the real McCoy. Okay. So, Masis and Palagushu and Litani, Yakol Shav and Shein Noter and We said uh, that you can't, um, uh, that we don't accept uh, donations uh, uh, for things that are voluntary. So, Parsele Ola. Maybe we're talking about the one offering that a non-Jew could bring, a burnt offering, which is also an interesting subject. They don't bring a shlamim. A shlamim means the owner eats most of the meat, and we consider it holy. In the non-Jewish world, they think holy means that you're separate from this world. It's like fully burnt. They can bring an ola. They, they get that, that you live on a mountaintop, and you fast, and that's holy. But that you should be in this world and enjoy the things, and that's really the debate between Esau and Yaakov was uh, we believe that you can sanctify the pleasures of this world and make them holy. That's the Jews know how to make Kiddush, right? That's the, uh, the, um, so a non-Jew can only bring an ola. Uh, they only know a burnt offering. The idea that you can have a party with wine and meat and it's real sanctity, that they don't get. Um, or they're, they're far from that. Uh, for us, we believe very strongly that you can take the pleasures of this world and it can become absolutely holy if you do it in the right way. So, but at any rate, that's uh, we're talking about. Ola nidr la el kishom yisro harai lai ola. The case might be where a Jew said, "I'm going to bring an ola v'sham anachri," and anachri said he heard it. V'omar maish omar zelai. I want to do the same thing. So the einu mevi imo nesachim. But when a non-Jew does do it, we're really on the on the subject of non-Jewish offerings. Okay. Now uh, there's when you bring an offering, you you know when you the, the metaphor is when you have food, you have drink. So in the base of Migdash, when you brought a, an offering, there also were libations, there were liquids. So uh, the non-Jews, they don't know what our rules are. They would sometimes donate korbanos, and there was nobody to pay for the liquids. So, uh, but you can't bring a korban without a drink, so you need the So there was a special fund for that, um, so that they paid for the, the liquids that came from the non-Jewish korban. You're talking about Nisachim? What are we talking about? No, 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 the, the Nisachim. The, the, there was wine that went with the... There were certain oh, things. that you put on the mezbeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so the Gemara's first question is, if you had extra liquids, so that went to the, the building fund. 
So wouldn't it end up being if a non-Jew brought an offering and he brought liquids and he brought extra, which people tended to, they didn't know the exact amount, they brought more than was needed, wouldn't they, that end up paying for some of the temple vessels? Nimsa maybe dar misuim. So hitzir Reb Yosi bar Rebun hatanina. We learn nerechem ve'erechem lo lebedek abayisinen. When non-Jews give, it doesn't go to a set thing. It it goes to the the house fund. Matad omer tamin l'shemayim who miskaven. We could say that when they give, they mean to give to Hashem. Umeleim hein boim. Basically, you are allowed to accept it, but we're not using it for offerings, we're using it for the uh, communal fund. As we turn the page, so we are able, according to this view, we accept it, but it goes to what's called the Berekabayas, not for the offerings, but for the house upkeep. So then the Mar says, but what's he going to do with the Pusik that said, we don't want nothing? My other of Yeshua ben Levi. Um, uh, what are we going to do with the uh, that said that we lo lechem lanu lidnos bezelokenu? One second. So our, our question was: uh, We said you do accept it, and Yeshua ben Levi said you don't. So he explains because he learns he emphasizes that pasuk in Ezra that said thanks but no thanks. It's not on you to build. Okay, three lines from the top. Rav Chiski, Omer Simon, Shomayata. According to what you're saying, that we don't take donations from non-Jews, We shouldn't be able to accept a donation for the wells, and the building fund for the wall. There was a whole discussion when uh, um, people wanted to donate money to help build the wall from Mexico, right? Could they? give the government money to uh, donate the wall, right? So that's exactly what's happening here. Non-Jews want to give to the wall fund. Well, Migdosa, or towers. Uh, towers were for security because you could see from far distances. So, So, um, so it comes out. Uh, basically, there's, there's two concepts. One is that we take nothing, and one is we can take certain things if it's a community fund, but not if it's a specific thing that would look bad that this is funded by non-Jews and not by Jews. Tani, now we get back to the uh, previous subject of the Kalbon, which is the extra amount given um, with the uh, shekel. Tani, Elochayim, Kalbon. The following people, um, they, each, they, they give one Kalbon. Ramirez says two Kalbonas. Uh, um, uh, they have to give two kab, uh, two. Kablans, that's called Kablanos, okay. Masis and Remeir, our mission goes like Remeir Domer Aflapish, ain't Shekel Torah, Kablo Torah. Remeir holds, this isn't just a, um, even though the uh, it's not so clear from the Torah when you give the Shekel, it is clear that when you give it, you got to give the Kablan. He, he's saying the Kablan wasn't just like a nice thing or a custom, he's saying it goes back to, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a rigid requirement. Uh, if you give a whole shekel, like you give for two people, then you'd be potter from the Kabbalan. Just like the shekel's a requirement, also you got to give the Kabbalan. The, the Kabbalan is a requirement. When you give a whole shekel, why does Remer say that uh, it's a rigid requirement? Where in the Torah does it mention the Kabbalan? I mean, you you got to pay the taxes. They say, oh, you got to add on the tax. Where does it say? Where did the Torah say? Didn't they give a chati shekel? 
Yeah, but we're saying so when you give a chatzis shekel, we kind of understand that the, the you got to make make sure it's a half shekel; it's right, worn right, out. Right, right. But when you're giving a whole shekel, then it's. Uh, so who's? Why, why, I think you're not allowed to give more. If you have for two people. Oh, if you're giving for two. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, where did Rav Meir get the idea that in the Torah that there's a set amount to give that you would have to give a kablam? So he explains, this is really a medrash. Rashi brings that uh, when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu that they would give a half shekel, it says, Kamin uh, Hashem pulled out like a fiery vision. He pulled out, uh, uh, he saw a shekel of fire. Hashem pulled out a fiery shekel from underneath the throne, Behira Lamosha, and he said, Zayitnu, you've got to give exactly this amount. And so if somebody gives a shekel that's not that 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 uh, size, he, uh, he so therefore you see you have to give the kalbun to make sh- in other words, there, there was a very specific shekel that you have to give. That was the vision. Uh, other people point out it's a shekel of fire. It's not how you give, it's the motivation. In other words, you give it with a fire, a desire and a, uh, to give, so that's a, that's a concept. There's, there's different ways to give. Somebody can be happy to give, and somebody can be really unhappy to give. So, no sin seko, we're right in the middle of the page, no sin sella. Uh, what happens if you give extra and you want to change? So, lito shekel. So, then, chayv shnei kabonis, you end up with two kalbons. You give one when you give it, and one with the change. Because what if they're giving you back more than you should be getting? So you got to, basically whenever you do a transaction with the base amigdash, you got to add the change, the kalb. Omer loza to mayor. He that's your mayor. As we skipped the parenthesis, Tanya, elu. We learn elu chayam the kalbin. These have to pay one kalbin, and some pay two. Remeir said you do two. Umari rav, umar rav. He says it goes like everyone. When you give the shekel, or if you get back a shekel, each transaction you always got to give the kalbun. According to Rav, you could even end up giving three kablanas. How would you get three? When you give the shekel, you give one. And then when you get the change, and then you give one for good measure. So uh, somehow he got a third uh, kalbun, uh, which is a new concept. We've always been talking about one, and then if you get changed two, and then you throw in a third one for good measure. But again, this idea that um, when you do business with the base amigdus, you make sure that they come out ahead. You make sure that you're not getting, uh, uh, you're not in any way taking. It's really an idea that you need to be giving, not taking. Uh, we don't see the uh, service in Hashem as something that we're going to leave and we're going to take from. Uh, we want to make sure that we're on the giving end. So, Dulin, on what you just said, it seems like that you know, back in those days, everything was weighted and was imprecise. So mm-hmm. if you were, if they were, when they were weighing it, and since it wasn't possibly exact, as you said, you can't be taking from the base measure, you have to give. So mm-hmm. since it was weighted and it could be very likely it was under, mm-hmm. you had to give a little bit more to make sure, like Hashem showed you that Matbeya has to be exactly like this, it was weighted to, to that level. Correct. That, that was, yeah. Now, there are other explanations, but that was the, that's the explanation we've been going with. That's right. Okay. Ha'achem um, ha'shutfin, uh, that, then we said that um, there, w- there's a difference between a corporation uh, and, uh, and a non-corporation. So a corporation are, are partners. So with, often you'd have brothers that would be running the family farm. So if they're obligated to add the extra 
uh, which means that the um, it's really divided up. It's owned by two people. So then uh, they're putter from Meiser Behema. Um, so this is confusing because if they, each one is paying, if, if they're, they're like a corporation, they don't have to give the kalban. Then they're, they're like one. So it's one, one kalban for everybody. But if it's divided, then it's two. So we said over here that in a case where they're giving one kalban, which means they're not divided, uh, but uh, they're, the, um, uh, they're obligated to give meiser. But if it's not divided, why are they giving meiser? They're a corporation. So the more said, this has to be a funny case where they divided and then they reconnected and then they divided. Uh, and this happens. Sometimes the brothers take a family business and they say, you take this half. Uh, we have one business that we give certification to that was run by a family. And uh, they couldn't get along and then they divided it and then they put it back together. And then they, it was, it was hard. It's, it's a real challenge to run family businesses. Uh, um, and so uh, in a case where they first divided it and then they decided they better, uh, they probably didn't make as much money as they did when it was won. And so then they went back in. And so it, when something like that happens, it's a, it's, it ends up confusing the dinim because in some ways they're separate because they did separate. And then in some ways they're together. Uh, uh, let's read the words again. When they're chayv in the kalban, we said they're potter from Meister Behema. And in this case, we said they're obligated in both. So the case was where they already divided and then they rejoined. So then, since they uh, were separate, so then they're obligated in Meister Behema. But they would have normally, uh, but they're, they're exempt from the kalban because they rejoined. But they didn't divide it out. We're confused because in some cases we said uh, corporations they're exempt, in some cases we didn't. So now we're going to say it depends on how they divided. What do we mean how they divided? There's two ways to divide a family business. One is uh, you take the car and I'll take the truck. You take the field and I'll take the, 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 you take the grain and I'll take the wine. And basically they're, they're dividing separate entities. And that's real complicated. So when they do it like that, that's a real division. But if they take, I take one goat and you take another goat. But you take a ram and I take a lamb. So basically, they're just splitting the profits. They're not really dividing it different than they know that they both own it. And they're just saying, that, you know, one of these is mine and one of these is yours. They're not really dividing it up. And we're saying there's a difference in the division. Who came Misham? That's the that originally that's that was understood that each one owned separate. Um, Rabbi Yochan, I feel he says even if you're taking goats and goats and, and rams and rams, it's still like they divided up upatim and amaiser, and they would no longer be considered a corporation. like we learn that they don't have to give meiser behema when they're a corporation. So we're going to stop here, but the real question is, when is it a corporation and when is it not? And when are they obligated and when are they not? And there's two different obligations. There's the obligation of Meiser, which they're exempt when they're a corporation. And then there's the obligation of the Kalbon, uh, which when they give as a corporation, they don't have to give the extra Kalbon. And so um, it got... Uh, the nuance is there's a difference in how they divided the original corporation and what, whether it's considered divided or not. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Mazel Tov as well. <laughs> have a great day, everybody, and a good. Uh, a good we're almost. A,
It's sort of Eretz Pesach. We're almost there. We made the Siyam. Yeah. Like the, We're having good. two Shabbos and Gadol. Yeah, you will. 